Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library. And today I have a great guest on because this is an industry that I think not a lot of people think about, you know, innovation or they think about, you know, technology influencing. But this industry is one that I think is very ripe for modernization, very ripe for opportunity. So I wanted to bring on Dustin Yoder to talk about his great business, what they're doing to revolutionize and modernize the life insurance space. So welcome to the show, Dustin. Thank you for having me. This is great to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before we jump into, you know, your business and talk about, you know, the way that you're modernizing life insurance, tell us a a little brief about your background. What were you doing before this company? Yeah. So, I mean, the the, the shotgun to get here, uh, meaning there, there was a I say I, I ran a route like Magellan, right, to get where we are today. Um, you know, uh, honestly, I studied finance and accounting. I went and I didn't do that after I actually went and worked for a nonprofit for three years. Uh, I, I, I then actually worked for uh, doing uh, um, business development for a technical staffing and recruiting company. Um, and uh, from there, I actually started the company that I'm at now. But uh, to be frank, we didn't hit our model for four years, meaning I iterated three times prior to, you know, where we really took off in 2016. So for all the, you know, this, this story may sound like uh, many of you others. And actually why I was iterating on that company, I was self-funding it. Um, I actually uh, worked for a, uh, I worked for another company for a year as a head of business development, a tech uh, e-signature platform called PandaDoc. Um, and then you can believe it. I, I even started another company under this one to fund this one uh, called uh, Vendus Product Labs, where we were building products for other people. And that, that actually was a, a decent success. You know, I mean, I had about 26 people working uh, with me. Um, and then, you know, to get you where we are today, we actually when when this company, Surify, uh, which is serving the, the life insurance space, started to kind of take off and we were building we raised, we raised money. I actually kind of put all those things behind everything you, you hear there and, and moved into pure focus here, um, uh, brought over actually the team from the other company and sold off that business. So, uh, yeah, long story, bumpy road, twists and turns. Um, but, uh, we're here. Gotcha. Now, one of the things I find interesting about, you know, entrepreneurs who, who like I said, who, who talk about, you know, that winding road, like it, it, it wasn't a straight line. I mean, there were bumps, turns, and, and I often find like, you know, how was it, uh, you know, for you as you're kind of navigating those bumps and turns, because some entrepreneurs that, you know, they, they give up when they hit some of those turns, like what kind of pushed you through to keep, you know, pivoting and changing? Yeah. I mean, that's a super good question. It's, it's, like there was probably a lot of reasons to stop a lot of times. Uh, I kind of had this, there were two things, I guess, if I really boil it down. Um, One was I wasn't done with the idea. I think that's a really important one. Like if you don't have a passion waking you up to say, I'm not done, then the truth is it's hard enough that uh, there's nothing wrong with recognizing either your presumptions on the business were wrong. Um, the market isn't right. Uh, you know, the amount of money uh, wasn't, uh, you know, satisfactory that you could make or drive wasn't good enough. So I would say like, I got up every day because I wasn't done with the idea and I saw the opportunity. 
the other is, you know, plain and simple. I, I you know, you want to win, right? Like you can't help but have, I'll call it a healthy level of pride that says like, I'm not going to, if I committed to try to see something to fruition, um, I'm going to keep going. I would say though, you know, transparently, if it was a bad idea, pride is a bad thing, right? Like you got to be learning. So for us, I kind of blend the two where we were constantly changing. So I'd say, you, you know, you set down your pride with your idea and you listen to the data and then you keep rolling. I just wasn't done. I had a lot of heart in me. You know, I'm a, I'm an old man now, right? At about 36. Um, but, you know, this is going back roughly 10 years. I started, uh, you know, my endeavors when I was 26. So, um, you know, and, and I think the word I would use uh, that I would love to be associated with, I can't tell you, I'm always trying to figure out how to, how to do it is, is what I call grit. Cause you know, you're not the smart for many people, um, you know, women and men here, like we're not all the smartest person we know. We're not all the most, you know, the, the, the highest IQ or whatever. And I think at the end of the day, if you look across industries, you know, grit is probably that, that, that defining factor, whether you're, you know, trying to do the 10,000 hour kind of like, you know, sports mastery or whatever. It's, it's really not about being the best when you started, but rather I'll call it uh, the most passionate, hardworking. What are you doing when no one's watching? Um, and, and I'd like to say like, that's who I want to be. I want to, I, I want to keep working, even if it was ugly when it started. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, you know, one of the interesting things, like I said, as you and I were talking, as you kind of navigated those, those terms, I mean, with having a, a team of people of transitioning, hey, you know, those 26 people that you had into what you're doing now, what was it like trying to, I guess, to, to you know, to motivate, was there much, a lot of work you had to do to motivate them about this new idea or were some of them really married to the old one? You know what? That was actually easier than you might think because our old business was a service business. So, and our new business is a, is a software business. And I'll tell you, it's kind of like, you know, when you're building things for other people, uh, uh, you know, it's never ending. Uh, and my business now is never ending, but it's different. Right. And what I mean by that is people were paying us to deliver on a, it was largely project. I mean, it may have been years of projects. It may have been a month of project but it was project. So we actually, it was, it was kind of a group decision where we said, do we want to keep in our free time? If that was a real thing, we'll build this, this platform. I still have a vision here. I'll keep selling. I'll take resources from that, that team and we'll build it. Um, and that's actually like, so there was a level of buy-in along that way to say like our overall goal and our mission as a group, do you, know, don't you want to be a software platform versus a project company? Um, the answer was, I, I think a resounding yes. No one, no one, when you do project, and I think maybe people can relate on the call, the challenge with projects is they're not residual. Um, and the challenge with projects is you may do an amazing job on one with a great client, and then you go to another. And the joke is maybe you do an amazing job, but you have what I you know call a bad client, right? A client that's just, it's not working. And you can go down that list, certain factors or you're under, but you know, people don't have the money. So you can't really give, you know, it's like, if someone asks you, we work with enterprise companies now, and the joke is POCs pilots. Like the truth is they're not, you have to put as much effort in them because no one, when they pay you a little bit of money expects crap, right? Like just plain and simple. Like, you know, you get a good deal on a fence, right? And you're like, it's a $2,000 fence or a thousand dollar fence. You buy the thousand dollar fence. The, the real truth is that people don't expect half the boards to be missing. And, and I would say like that, 
that's ironically though, you know, materials are affected, time's affected, like people cost money when you do something. And I think like, that's what happens in project work. Um, so we just saw an opportunity like in, in our market, which was an insurance market to build a platform, which would have much more residual value, both to the clients. So we could keep building on, keep adding to that fence or that building. So to philosoph, you know, so to speak. Right. And then secondly, like we, we also have internally the ability to build, and make something better all the time versus moving on to the next thing. So that, I mean, that was the real change. I think probably people on the call can relate to your project work versus your residual work. Residual can be nice. Hence why the SaaS market in particular, is such a big business um, because residual compounding value and, and payments are, are a big deal. And I guess, do you think that that's what really triggered you being able to raise the capital for you know, the new business? You know, uh, another darn good question. I, I would say, I mean, anytime you raise capital, I, I, I happen to have a couple of people talking to me right now about, you know, my experiences raising capital. Honestly, like raising capital is just like, you know, the stock market or like the oil prices. It's about where you're going, where that market is going. So, so much of the time, like, like some people are able to raise a ton of capital based on the you know, addressable market or addressable opportunity in the future with nothing. That's actually not the case. Usually right now we raise capital and we have to have something, but mm -hmm. really no one's giving in on that something. They're really giving you because they want to make money. And usually if you don't have a buyer, it's not liquid, right? So someone buys, if you raise 10 or 20% of your, you know, an equity inflow, right? Um, so let's just say you raise $100,000, right? Um, you know, to start off, it's like, for 10% for of your company, you, you value it at a million dollars. No one can buy, no one will buy it for that. No one will sell it. So ultimately, when you really look at raising capital, 99, 90% of the time, 99% of the time, it's like, it's all about the future. Can you grow it big enough to sell it or go public or whatever? And so, you know, it's all about the market. Like you have to be able to project in the future what the market's going to be. And people have to agree with you there. I mean, we've raised at Surefy, we've raised about 12 million to date. Um, so I, 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 I like to say, like, I've, I've done a lot of work over the last, you know, five years on this. And, you know, the joke is I've only been a successful, you know, three really core times when I've raised money. Um, but really, it's all about at every one of those points. It's about that person or that group or that company believing that you're going the right way in the market or else they're not going to invest. It's not about investing in what you have. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. I mean, that's not, you know, I, I'm not sure if, you know, a lot of people understand the amount of effort that goes into that. Cause I, I've gone through the, with one of the, the last tech companies I was at, we, before I went into what I'm doing full time, we raised capital and, you know, before, you know, going through that exercise of raising capital, I didn't realize like how time consuming and how much work went into that whole process. I mean, how did you manage still leading the company as well as going through those, you know, that three times of raising capital? I mean, that's where, like I said, you have to kind of reach, reach deep because, you know, it's a totally different game, like, you know, building your product, selling deals and raising capital, like all fall under these like massive need to haves and yet they need to be done in many ways separately right you don't like you you need all of them and then you need them like they're all going to hit at different times you don't control that 
So the answer is you do it and, and, you know, you take off some years of your life. I mean, that's, that's the real answer. You, you do it, you reach real deep and you work when other people aren't working and you set aside, you know, I, I swear for like the four years, uh, you know, prior to that, I mean, COVID's obviously changed a lot of things, but like, I mean, like I reserved what, three to four nights a week to work. I reserved maybe one day on the weekend. There was a time when I worked every weekend. So I, you know, I literally, I've been married for 10, 12 years. Uh, I would tell my, I would ask my wife, Hey, can, you know, I'm going to work for the next three months, you know, uh, every Saturday or Sunday. And I'm also going to work these three nights a week. So like from six, I call them double days. Like I literally think you have to have the, the, the willingness to work double days. So what you do is you kind of work on one side of the business during the day. Let's say that's when you have your people or small group. It could be one person. It could be you. You work on, let's say, product or product and sales, right? And you're eight or 10 hours. Then you kind of, you, you know, once again, like I, my first like 10 years of marriage before I had my, my daughter, like I probably ate at the dinner table. This sounds, I mean, this probably disturbs people, but I probably ate at the dinner table, like with just my wife and I probably like, you know, between my hands, my hands and my feet, like that's about as many times. And, wow. and what I mean by that, we didn't like sit down and dinner. Cause it was like, well, I came home half the time at like seven or eight, like, shoot, I, I would crack a bottle of wine at like six o'clock at the office. Right. Like, cause mm-hmm. I mean, I'm rolling into the second part of the day, you know, that's my little in between. And then, you know, you work till about midnight. I mean, this is the the hard thing for people to digest of the commitment that certain companies take. I think there's also lifestyle businesses, depending on what your business is. Like you can run a lifestyle business, which is more like your nine to five slash like it's it's not you're not trying to like double or, you know, you're not trying to grow astronomically each year. Um, but anytime you're doing like a venture backed business, I, I would just say like, no, I mean, you're going to commit to whether you like it or not, you're signing up for, for double days. Um, yeah. And it's like the football double days. I don't know. That's what makes me think of, right? Like you're just, you go, you, you can maybe even take a nap in between you get in that meal or whatever, but then you need to get back on the grind because like you said, you have a totally different area, which is either fundraising or this to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the real answer. No, I think that that is very true. It definitely was my experience of working, like I said, in a venture backed company. And I think not a lot of people understand that. So now I want to talk a little bit about, you know, the, the actual product that, you know, Surefy provides, you know, what can people expect? What's the experience like with using the product? Yes. Yeah, so, you know, Surefy has a platform that we sell directly to uh, the big life and annuity companies uh, of the of the country. So, like in, uh, in in North America, there's about 430 active life and annuity companies that you would buy. And like you know, if you passed away or if you're an older person, you want an annuity to to drive money. Like they exist across the U.S. So we sell a technical platform to them, which is called Lifetime, which enables them to sell insurance digitally. So that's like a whole like life and annuity is kind of coming along there. 90 plus percent of life and annuity is sold through agents, which many of you on the call have either met a friend or, you know, bought through them, et cetera. But like the world is kind of transitioning on some level, not a baby in bathwater situation where agents are out, but rather they're being omni-channel enabled to sell digitally and, or maybe like you want to go online at two in the morning and buy your life insurance policy. That all needs to be, if you're going to be a 2020. 20, you know, I call it 2025 insurer, like you got to think that's going to happen, right? 
Um, so, so we help, we help those insurers to sell. So we have a software application. We sell to them, we white label it, and then it allows them to sell. They're, they're big projects. They're big, big implementations. Like you're like some of the biggest brands that everyone uses here. Um, you know, we sell to, you'll never see Surefy because we're a white labeled B2B to C company. So it's our application you're using. Uh, you just don't know. And then we also help our second product is called Lifetime Service. Um, which enables you to service your policies. So, you know, if you and I are sitting at home and, you know, we have another kid and so we need to change beneficiaries or we need to make a payment on something because we either, you know, we're not paying monthly, we pay yearly, whatever it may be, um, that company can notify us through our web and mobile applications that we need to do that. It sounds kind of crazy because you're used to that everywhere else, but you're in a 150-year-old industry here that like we're helping transform. So we do all their web and mobile uh, servicing applications. And then actually the thing we started with was called Lifetime Engage, which is all about like, I don't know about anyone on this call, but you don't like maybe wake up every night thinking about your insurance company, right? That's not maybe not part of your natural flow. Maybe, maybe uh, Terrell and I do, right? Because we're like, you know, I don't know whether it's our business insurance or something, but ultimately I don't wake up thinking about my auto insurance very much. So that's a big problem for the insurer. So we have an engagement product which is basically like, how do you take someone that just pays us yearly or maybe an auto deposit and create value for them for, for, you know, when they need it or on an automated ongoing basis or based on their persona or a life event they enter to be able to educate on finances or upsell like something that's relevant based on a life event or, or, you know, track uh, and push them towards a healthy life and a healthy you know, kind of uh, risk reducing activities or, um, you know, these insurers want to become like an engaging resource for them so that ultimately they don't call someone else or engage. Like people don't want to just pay bills these days. We want value for what we're getting. And so mm-hmm. those are kind of our three products. We have some, you know, we have amazing clients across the board, all kind of, you know, we have most many of the top ones and then we serve actually all the way down to like 35 person insurance companies okay. up to um the largest insurance companies in the in the country so um gotcha. that's what we do awesome awesome so if someone was interested in just like I said seeing what surefire is up to and, and like any of the press releases that you guys do where can they find you guys online so i mean surefire.com you know that's 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 the place we have I'm, I'm a big LinkedIn guy. So I, um, and, and Surefy because of that, like we, we love our LinkedIn. We're, we're a business application, right? So, um, so yeah, so you can go to LinkedIn, you know, follow Surefy, uh, you know, you can always go to mine and, 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 and follow or request to connect with me. Um, but yeah, we, we do a pretty, we have a great, uh, marketing sales team that puts out a lot of information. Um, and you could follow, follow our journey there, or, or, you know, if you're interested in the space, you know, that's, that's where we are. So, um, you know, we have Twitter, Facebook, you know, the whole nine yards, but uh, I would say like the business side, you can sign up for a newsletter, right on the, on the website, that type of stuff. So uh, all your typical ways we're available, we're not hiding, but, but we are very focused on serving large life and annuity companies. So, gotcha. you know, we know our persona. Awesome. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up one last question, I like to ask every guest that comes on is, you know, when you think about your journey, you know, what's two pieces of advice you would share with other business owners? So, uh, man, come on. These are, these are hard ones. Uh, you know, I would say I mean, the most important to me is, is that, um, one, you're passionate about what you do. I think it's really hard to wake up every day 
do those double, double days, overcome the family challenges. If you don't love on some level what you do, I think, I think I'm lucky. I always call myself like a, a dog, you know, dogs are always happy to see their owners and happy to like get up in the morning, I'd say. Right. Um, if you know, you got to have some level of, you know, I like to grind and I like to, to, you know, do, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you own a, um, you know, a residential, you know, gardening business, uh, you own a software company, uh, you know, consulting company, whatever you got to really like, just, I think it really helps to love what you do. And I know that's, you know, that can be hard and people say, well, that's not always the case. So, and then the other is like, the other thing that I think is really paying off for me now is honesty and transparency. So one is passion, but, but as you grow, whether that's clients or um, team members, like one thing that I finally see, I say in the long run, really paying off is your commitment to the things you've said you're going to do your, the things that even cost you to do that you've committed to and then thirdly, the transparency and communication that you have in your company um, can pay dividends because everyone wants to be a part of a close-knit and honest group of people. Uh, ultimately, that's hopefully what a family is, right? And I think that as I'm getting older, I think those, those words of your, 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 your loved ones and your family members that have told you so much about honesty and transparency, I would say if you can like live that out, um, that, that will really help. And like, I've been asking my wife and I have asked, what are things we'd want to teach our, we have two daughters now, what are core traits we'd want them to have that we think will enable them to be holistically successful and happy. And, and, and I would actually say grit is one of the ones I love. I just always say that grit is like my main thing. Cause it's not about necessarily skill or, or some like, you know, luck, et cetera. It's, it's just about like that depth of grit. You know, whether you're the worst football player on the team or the not the smartest, you know, I don't know, like business builder, like grit will get you far and possibly the furthest. And then, like I said, honesty, like I want my child or I want my friends, I want fellow business or I want us to live out honesty with our with our, our team members and also the market and, and our clients, because I think that will go deeper when things turn bad, because um, because once again, in businesses, things don't always go right. Um, than anything else. And I think the next person may buy based on trust um, than just every time you win. So those are my two, you know, things I'd say. Awesome. Well, Dustin, thank you so much for, you know, giving us time and coming on the show to share your story, the journey, as well as the tips. I really appreciate having you on the show. Well, I truly appreciate being here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we will talk soon. Thank you for tuning in to the business talk library. If you like our content, be sure to follow us on social media. And if you want to see more of our exclusive content, you can subscribe and become a member on patreon.com forward slash business talk library. Hey, the business talk library is the place where business makes sense.